Welcome to the greatest show you can't see, but you can listen to all you want. Looking around the table, I guess it's good that you can't <laughs> see all of us sitting here. We all have faces for radio. <laughs> Agreed. Can't even see Patrick's face. All right, <laughs> man, I'm into my summer hair though. In a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Jason Kao. Jeff Mazuka, Dennis Matouche. John Reed. Bo Warbold. Each month, they've sworn to tackle two or three movies and remind us all why we fell in love with them in the first place. This year, we travel back in time to 1984 and 85. You're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. This time we're going to be talking about Spinal Tap. The 1984 movie came out on March 2nd, 1984. Directed by Rob Reiner. Uh, written by Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, and Rob Reiner. The budget for the movie was $2 million. The box office was a whopping $4.7 million. Rotten Tomatoes critics give it a 95% and the users give it a 93%. It's probably the highest rated movie we've talked about so far. Uh, the cast for the movie is Rob Reiner as Marty DeBerge, Christopher Guest as Nigel Tufnell, Michael McKean as David St. Hubbins, Harry Shearer as Derek Smalls, Tony Hendra as Ian Faith, R.J. Parnell as Mick Shrimpton, one of the many drummers, um, David Caff as Viv Savage, and then cameos by Bruno Kirby, Ed Begley Jr., Fran Drescher, Dana Carvey, Billy, Kist- Billy Crystal, Paul Schaefer, and Angelica Houston. Um, my one-sentence summary of this is British rock group Spinal Tap embarks on their 1982 U.S. tour to promote their latest album, Smell the Glove. And I know that pretty much says all you need to say about the movie, but... All right, so let's move right. on to the next movie. Then. Next movie. Okay. Shortest podcast ever. Very delicate. It's a, it's a bit of a departure from the kind of thing you normally play. What do you call this? Well, this piece is called uh, Lick My Love Pump. This is the loudest rock and roll, rock and roll, most explosive band in heavy metal history. This is Spinal Tap. It's such a fine line between stupid and clever. The funniest movie ever made about rock and roll. He choked on vomit. Well, I can't prove whose vomit it was. The monumental classic. There was a Stone Age monument on the stage that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. The makeup of your audience seems to be young boys. Oh, it's a sexual thing, really. We've got, you know, armadillos in our trousers. I mean, it's really quite frightening. No, don't I was just pointing at it. Well, don't point. I'm sure I'd feel much worse if I weren't under such heavy sedation. The cult phenomenon. The numbers all go to 11. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. This is Spinal Tap. So clearly this was meant as a satire of rock, of the rock and roll lifestyle and of documentaries in general. Um... 
What did you think? This was actually, I had never seen this movie when it first came out. Uh, just saw this one recently, but I ha- and I have not seen several of their other movies. Um, I have not seen, what are the ones, Mighty Wind and Best, Best in the Show. Best Show. I have not seen those, but this one, yeah, this one makes me want to go watch those now, because I have not seen any of these other movies. I've seen other Rob Reiner ones, like Princess Bride and stuff North. like that, but... Um, you no. Know, I, well, I've seen North, but... I'm sorry. We're not doing a podcast on North when the time comes. <laughs> so, what do we think? What, 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 do we, what do we want to say about Spinal... What can you say about Spinal Tap? Other than, apparently, the humor is not for everyone. It goes to 11. It does go to 11. Actually, I did... I found, found something when I was looking some stuff up. Uh, IMDB, IGN, and a couple of other websites, when they do their movie rankings, um, Spinal Tap is the only movie that they rank on a scale from 1 to 11. That's really cool. <clears throat> I actually noticed that in an ad in a magazine the other day, that phrase. And I, I, I wish I would have brought the magazine so I could have read it, because they weren't even trying to like reference Spinal Tap, but they were. it was like a, an ad for shoes, and it was something like, you know, our running shoes, you know, when we make our running shoes, we go up to 11. Or something, it was, it was a reference about going to 11, and it's, you know... Well, that's a reference, I think... Everybody. Everybody knows, and it had... Nothing to do with ever seeing the movie. It got passed along. And, yeah. I mean, that there are high school kids who can get that joke, sort of. Like, they haven't seen the movie, and they don't they understand the concept of it. But you say, this one goes to 11, and they're like, huh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the first, I remember you mentioned high school. I remember just people talking about it. That they'd be talking about certain scenes, or, you know, there'd be guys laughing about it or whatever. And they'd just, oh, well, Spinal Tap, you know? And I... Um, but, you know, I never had seen the movie, and then when I finally saw it, I mean, it's just absolutely hilarious. And I, I've i seen a couple of these guys' other movies, and I've always heard people talking about, uh, you know, uh, you know the whole satire thing and, and the humor. It's not for everybody, and it's if, you, if you're in the wrong mindset, it's just like, okay, well, I don't quite get it. If you have to explain it, you know, no one will understand. But if you get what they're trying to do and how they lampoon just, like, all these different parts of rock and roll lore and rock and roll history i mean right down to the looks that they give and the way they hold the microphone or the way he does the guitar solo or you know it's just absolutely a hilarious look at rock and roll rock and roll and a, a buddy of mine is loves rock and roll i mean he's just he knows i mean if you ever have rock and roll trivia you want this guy on your team because he knows it and he's gone through and listed for me like oh yeah well this happened to this band then that's where they got this yeah so and so really got lost backstage oh, yeah, this person really used to throw fits when, you know, why do I have the little bread and it doesn't mm-hmm. fit my, you know, or I, why are all the M&Ms not blue-colored and, you know, things like that. Um, it's, so it's just, I mean, it's just scary how much it hits every different angle of rock and roll with, you know. I want to know who got a mini Stonehenge <laughs> in real <laughs> yeah. life. Yeah. Because that's probably the scene I had seen, for whatever reason, the most, just clicking around on TV, it would pop up. I. So for years, I had seen the Stonehenge scene. I knew that this goes to 11, and I hadn't seen the whole movie. I finally saw it. Gosh, I was older than I realized when I thought about it. I think it was in my 20s when I finally saw it all the way through. But it's... And I'd seen... I, I, I'm the reverse of John. I had seen Best in Show already. I had seen uh, Waiting for Guffman already. Then I saw Spinal Tap. I went backwards. One of the funniest scenes is when David's face, like when when the when it's being lowered down, uh, <laughs> it's priceless. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, back to uh, you know 
you're talking about how, how close it is to uh, there's a lot of bands that actually thought it was a real documentary like uh, Ozzy mm-hmm. Osbourne thought it was real he's the only one who didn't laugh throughout the whole thing because he thought it was a real documentary you know? oh he's really out of touch with reality anyway <laughs> <laughs> yes. unless he listens to this podcast <laughs> we love you Ozzy hi Ozzy <laughs> so this one I think almost more so than other movies we've looked at so far seems to be the probably one of the most quotable. Um, what are some of your favorite scenes? Or like you've already mentioned a couple of them, though. Stonehenge. And I feel like I feel like if this is a Spinal Tap podcast, we should be talking a lot louder. Yeah, like they are right. the they are the loudest loud of all band. English England's loudest band. Um, so, what are some of your favorite scenes from this is Spinal Tap or favorite quotes? I'm sure I'd feel differently about it if I wasn't such so heavily sedated. I was just going to say that. I was delivering that. <laughs> and the the drummer you know what's what's your you know all of what what, give us one line for you know Mm -hmm. your life you know the one guy's like have a good time all the time that's what i live by one guy's like well you know sex drugs and rock and roll well what happens if you couldn't do the rock and roll well as long as the sex and drugs were there i think i'd be fine with it it's just oh my gosh I, I think probably one of my I mean I have several but I think one of them is the um, where they're talking about the different magazine reviews yes <laughs> and they say yes. let me read you this one this tasteless cover is a good indication of the lack of musical invention within the musical growth of this band cannot even be charted they are treading water in a sea of retarded sexuality and bad poetry well that's just nitpicking isn't yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah the whole guitar room you know when he's like you know when he's like listen wait don't even point listen, at listen, listen listen can you can you hear the sustain I can't hear anything. You go out for a bite, it's still there. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, it would be. You, you could if it was playing right now, you know. Oh, my gosh, yeah. No, don't even, don't even look at that one. Don't touch it. Don't, don't, don't even look at it. Don't, don't even stick off the tag on it. Yeah. No, we're done looking at that one. I think my favorite line is right after the Stonehenge scene when he says, uh, <laughs> I do not, for one, think that the problem was that the band was down. I think the problem may have been that there was a Stonehenge monument on the stage that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. <laughs> that tended to understate the hugeness of the object. Well, what if or the, you just or change the, the choreography? Or the, I really think you're just making, I think you're making too much of a big thing out of it. Making a big thing would have been a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's almost the, the follow-up lines, though, that mm-hmm. are really the funniest, because, you know, they go for the big jokes, the easy jokes, and then it's the reaction shots, it's, it's, it's the subtle responses of, you know, whether it's a look on somebody's face or just a under-the-breath sort of comment that if you don't hear that, then you're really missing the big joke. You can't really dust for vomit. You can't really yeah. dust for vomit. <laughs> Time is so elastic. They said best leave that one unsolved. Right. Yeah, like, just, <laughs> you know, bizarre, if, bizarre gardening acts. <laughs> like, and people ask that, they're like, like, that one, they like, Apparently, they had like something like twelve hours of footage because they just they just let the camera run and they ad libbed most of it. That's why they're credited as the writers. Um, I read somewhere that they were credited as writers because they did write some of this, but some of it is just them sitting around pretending to be these rock and roll figures and just ad libbing whatever they could think of at the time. And then Rob Reiner just went through and like cut out the best parts of what they had ad libbed. I'm, I'm, and I I know this is getting away from the quote thing, but I'm almost reminded, and this is going to sound like a really outside example, but you know, when the Pixar movies first came out and they started doing like finding Nemo or cars and it was like, wow, these guys really know, you know, they really took time to look at undersea life and what the different water hues look like and the different, when they did cars, wow, they really hit the, 
NASCAR and racing culture, and they, they put that, you know, in street culture and on the road and blah, 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 blah. That's almost like this. I mean, these guys really took some time to figure out the rock and roll culture. And with, I've seen Best in Show. That's the dog one, right? Yeah. yeah. They really want... They. That's why it's so funny is because they're not just... There's, <laughs> that's why it's not so funny. It's they're not just like, okay, well, we're doing this in a rock and roll setting, but cracking a bunch of jokes. They really get... Like the, the the thing they're trying to lampoon. To piggyback off of that, I watched earlier t- this morning. I pulled up uh, "I Love the '80s" from VH1, the episode where they talked about this movie, and I think they were they had a couple different bands and musicians that they interviewed about this movie, and one of them I think might have been Quiet Riot, who said, uh, "You know, it's clearly musicians work on this movie." There are way too many subtleties that if you don't know about being in a band, you would not know to include in this sort of thing. Somewhere, they contacted musicians and got stories because there's just way too much going on that the average filmmaker would even think of uh, including. Yeah. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but I, I think it, it really... surprise me. I mean, it, I, I've it heard holds some interviews with, with Christopher movie. Guest over the years on radio radio shows and whatnot, and he's, the, he's that type of guy where he is going to do that research. He's going to sit down with well, really, the he band has to. manager. If he wants the mockumentary style to work, exactly, he's got to just really know the ins and outs of whatever the subject matter is. If he's not willing to put in the extra time to do that, then you know it's not, it's like a Mel Brooks movie. Mel Brooks is going to sit back and research the hell out of whatever genre he's lampooning at the time, because if he doesn't, his movies aren't going to work on the level that. He wants them to. And that's part of why the movie was a little bit more of a cult classic. And that the reason I saw it is because I heard people I've heard people talking about it and a friend and they tell you the scenes and they build it up to the point that it's really funny and then, you know, that's maybe why it's and when I said I think you said how much it cost and how much it made, I, I mean I don't think it was like, million dollars. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, a lot of people at the time that it came out thought that it was a real documentary. Like yeah. they thought this was a real band, right. so they weren't like they weren't as interested to go see it as a comedy movie because they they're like, no, I'm not going to go see a rock documentary. Right, right. And you know what I said earlier, I recommended it to two people, and one of them was like, "That was, that was okay, but you oversold it a little bit." And then the other person was like, "That's the funniest thing I've ever seen." That was, you know, they just the different mindsets. And... Well, and the fact that, I mean, looking at the, because I looked up those Rotten Tomatoes scores and a 95% from the critics, I mean, that's, I think one of the other movies we're looking at this month is Amadeus, and it got a 95, it was a 95 or 97 from the critics. And those are probably the highest rated movies, at least we've talked about so far, and probably that we will talk about and for Sonya. this year. And Red Sonia, I think, also had it. No, that was like a, that was like a 9.5. Ah! That's some points are confusing. That's some points gets every time. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I was looking at it just now. Amadeus has a 95% from the critics. So this got the same critic score as a drama piece like Amadeus did. So obviously there's something of substance and quality there that maybe some people don't appreciate, but... I have a hard time some with with the different people in here. I was trying to pick out because I knew there were some people in here that made little cameos, and I was trying to find them, and I missed a few of them just because I didn't. They were such small parts, like um, uh, Billy Crystal. I mean, you can tell because of his voice, you know, yeah. he's in there. I didn't realize one of the other mimes was Dana Carvey. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I totally missed that when I saw it in the in the credits or I looked it up online. I'm like, 
I don't remember Dana Carvey being in this movie. Um, and then went back and watched again. I'm like, oh, okay, now I can, was, now I can tell it's him. Was George Carlin the tour manager? Or, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Who no. Howard Hessman? Yeah. Howard Hessman. Those guys probably don't look a lot of like each other. They do. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do. Was that? I, I can see that. It, it didn't quite, yeah. Jason, when did you first see it? Was it recently or had you seen it a while ago? Well, I saw this in college. I, I had friends who were really, really big into it. And uh, uh, I'll admit, the first time I watched it, like everybody was quoting it. And I, I think I didn't appreciate it as much. And then, like, every subsequent viewing, you catch a little bit more and more. And, and now I, I love it. You know, I can't quote as well as you guys because uh, I haven't seen it as many times. But but the, the first time I saw it, you know, I think that uh, uh, that humor is a little bit, uh, it's different. You're not used to it. You know, it looked like a young. I don't know if it's a group. Like Andy's I don't know if it's a group watching movie. Like, like, I think it works best when you don't build it up. When you watch it as a documentary and you almost think it's serious, then it's more effective because then a little bit of the humor starts to just pour out like to one person in the room. So it's almost better than it's not like a group crowd movie that oh we're just gonna watch it's gonna be hilarious or it like now it might be because we've all seen it but when you first see it I think it's more effective if you see it with only you and a couple of people or something like that just in the low key not expecting a lot then it just surprises you right I mean because going in expecting a whole huge like this is gonna be the most you know funny yeah imagine if you're in a group because mo- probably someone's gonna recommend it and everybody's quoting it and yeah. you're the only person who doesn't know the movie as well. I think that was what happened in college. Because I did see this when I was younger. I don't know exactly what year, but I know I saw it way back. You know, I was in my teens. And at the time, I remember funny bits. I remember Stonehenge. I remember that. There were certain ones that stuck out, but I missed so much of the other little stuff. And then when I saw it again, like maybe 18, 19, something like that, a little bit older, and I watched it, I think, by myself or with just maybe one or two brothers or something, then it was... That we're just like dying. So the experience the first time was different. It was it was a likable movie the first time. It was more funny a couple you know times in the right environment. But it was just I think that's that's how it, it works better because in the beginning it just starts off like is this a real documentary? It doesn't come out and go over the top right away, mm-hmm. you know. And then it slowly starts little bits in here, and they're so serious about themselves, which I think is the funny take on the rock stars too. Because if you listen to a rock star. Sometimes they're just so full. I mean, they're so full of themselves, their ego, and everything else that it's so funny how important they think they are. Yeah. Well, do you, know, you notice and wise and wiz- full of wisdom and, and right. Well, and when you watch like lukewarm water, like lukewarm water, <laughs> when you watch the movie, it's funny because these guys are just you know, pretty much they're just morons. I mean, they're walking around, they're clued. But then when they like get on stage, suddenly they're aware of things. You know, it's it's. Like, you know, they're oblivious to just about everything else, but then the Stonehenge thing is too small, and they're just like, the heck? And then, you know... Uh, stuck in the thing. When he's yeah. stuck in the thing, the other two are kind of, like, reacting, like, trying to figure mm-hmm. it out, you know? And so, you know, they're doing the sound check, and, you know, so it's... it's. I just found that, this the most recent time I watched it, I found that was funny, is that the way they wrote the characters is that they were completely, you know, moronic outside mm-hmm. of, like, the one thing that they... Performance that they do well. The one, their they one get on stage, and they're... Yeah, and they're Star. and that they're actually really as individuals they're really talented. Yeah, you know because you've got they they each on their own. You know David St. Hubbins on his own. You know he's he's writing stuff. He's talking about some of his early stuff he did and it was good. Yeah. And um, you know then you've got Nigel who's sitting at the piano. You know he's right. very heavily in his mock piece right. the Mozart and Bach. And um, you know he's, he's sitting there so that that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's. It's, it's a departure from what you normally play, but it actually sounds good. Yeah. Otherwise, he's completely tone deaf and right. you know has can't carry a tune. And 
Well, right, and when they all try to sing outside Elvis's grave. Right. And then they're going, and that was another one of the one-liners when they're trying to sing and it just sounds bad, and he just goes, well, no, you can't use a raga on that, you know, which is like Indian music and skit, which they're not even doing, but just because it sounds weird, they're going to throw that in. And Or when he says, no, no, in the same key. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Which I am, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if I should be embarrassed to admit this, but uh, uh, when I first saw the movie, I actually have a presenting England's loudest band. I have a huge poster mm-hmm. that hung on my dorm room wall and my apartment wall is still hanging in my basement. A uh, big poster of Spinal Tap. And I actually bought the Spinal Tap album. And, uh, you know, I know the lyrics get a little bit, uh, are pretty funny to listen to, but I mean, they actually have a whole album of music. And, I mean, I think that's pretty cool that, you know, when they, they went so far, kind of going back and the other thing of knowing their craft, they actually, and I don't know if they recorded it on the instruments or if they had another band. That's something I probably should have researched before today. But they actually have an album that goes with the movie, too, mm-hmm. which, you know, gives it that much more. Well, I believe they have a background with the music, for sure, because I know that in Mighty Wind, when they reuni- reunited the three guys to play a different band in that movie, the three of them played their own instruments, and, and I know that Michael McKean wrote a lot of the music for okay. uh, Mighty Wind. So it wouldn't surprise me if not only did they play their own instruments in Spinal Tap, but that they contributed to the writing of the music as well. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can believe it, because I was... And like I said, you put the album in, it's fun to listen to. I mean, the tunes are pretty fun. So following up that, what's your favorite song? Are we going around the room, or should Sure, I go yeah. for it. You can start. Patrick, go ahead. I, I, I'll tell you, I what, think... What is it you like? I think I think Stonehenge is fun. I think I really like Stonehenge, and it's funny because, uh, uh, you know, it's the dark Stonehenge, you know, and then it's all light about, you know, uh, the Druids. The Druids. The Druids. <laughs> when they know we don't know who they were, they were or they were what they were doing. <laughs> Go back to that mystic land of Stonehenge where the demons roam. No, where the Druids play, and they do play well. They do play well. That's just so fun to listen to. Yeah, that, and I mean, the theme, was, I forget the name of the tune. Tonight I'm going to rock you. That's what they open with, and that's when Nigel comes running back and jumps in on the guitar solo. Um, yeah, that's just, it's just fun rock songs to listen to. Saucy Jack. The rock opera about the life and times of Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper, yes. Side Project Musical. That's right. Which actually... Watching the Tony Awards the other day, that might do pretty well. As I was watching the movie, I was like, you know, well, isn't someone that, should do this. Well, isn't that the mark of, you know, really, really good satire is that, you know, it does kind of contain mm-hmm. bits of the truth in there. I mean, you know. Jason, favorite song? Big Bottom. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> first, time, exactly, first time I heard it, I saw the movie, I was like... Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah. The timeless theme. Exactly. Well, and, and, I always okay. need to look up and see when Queen recorded Fat Bottom Girls. Who did it first? I'm betting Queen. Queen. I'm betting first. Big Bottom was the parody was of... Fat, was, was Fat Bottom Girls from the 70s? Uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, exactly. But to tie in with what Dennis said earlier, do you think you appreciated it more as you got older? Yeah. Because you got older and some of the jokes, like, some of the stuff is Big did. Bottom... Boom! Yeah, way over your head. Yeah. But by the time I saw it, I was old enough where it all sort of clicked in. So I was when you said that, I was like, "Ooh, that would be what? it." Would be you'd still think it's funny because I mean, a mini Stonehenge and dwarves. I'm mean, come on, man, how do you go well, on? Well, the first time you <laughs> saw, I saw it too, that like I said, I wasn't convinced that it was supposed to be a comedy exactly. Mm-hmm. 
I just thought like these guys are stupid, like guys in a documentary. <laughs> yeah. Like it was a real documentary, but man, like these guys are weird. You know, like you just. I don't think I was convinced that it was supposed to be a comedy at that earlier age. Mm -hmm. And like I said, all those jokes kind of went over, like a lot of them went over your head. And then later on, you see, when you, once you knew it was. <clears throat> Because the way they play it, right? I was saying, start listening for for the or, the, the or like jokes. You said, some of the musician stuff that your buddy told you about. That it's like you you're not looking for that. You're looking yeah. for the satire of right. the guitar player. Yeah. The, when the first time you watched it, you just it's yeah. funny, but you yeah. didn't catch that. But now you're like Nigel playing a solo, holding the violin. Oh, right. He, but then he has to tune the violin. <laughs> yes, right. Then he stops to tune yeah. the violin. <laughs> Oh man! But that parodied a, a real life event too of some guy that used a, yeah used the violin bow on his guitar during the yeah. solo. Yeah, but just like the little joke, like little stuff you wouldn't catch if you were you know younger. Like it was just like you know, when the Boston gig gets canceled, so don't worry about it. it's not a, it's not a big college. Like, you don't get that when you're thirteen. Right. No, you're yeah. like okay, it, that, that line means nothing. Or you know, a five either. minute scene where they're playing on stage and the big joke is that the one pod doesn't open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you know, I remember what first time I watched it, I was like, I. What? Okay, let's move on from this. But but looking at it now, it's just like all the things that can go wrong, and you just sort of and it's their reactions, to right? It, and, and they're rocking out, and they hammer like, offbeat on the thing, he's hammering that thing, and maybe it's yeah. maybe it's the band director geek out, but it was just like, oh my gosh, it was like the guys hammering like off off tempo with the with the band. Oh my, yeah, that that scene was yeah, that, that was good. So at the time, it worked because you know the the hair bands were. The thing happening in the in the eighties. Question is, can this movie work now without having experienced growing up and listening to those bands thirty years ago? I think so because I think some of that stuff is coming back, or it has been coming back. Like there's been in the last what five ten years has been the resurgence of all the 80s stuff. Like, all the 80s movies are getting remakes, and even 80s music a little bit is, you know, it's, it's been popular again. And, um, you know, I can't even... The number of students that I had just a couple of years ago that knew, like, I was always playing stuff for, for 80s Friday in the classroom. And as of a couple of years ago, my students started to recognize some of those songs again. Before that, it was like, what's this? But... As of a couple of years ago, some of the students were like, oh, I know this one. My mom and dad listened to this. And, and they knew some of the lyrics to the songs. And so I almost think, especially now with some of that coming back, yeah, I mean, I think you could, I think you could watch this movie and just with the understanding that it, I don't know if, I don't know if you could remake this movie, but I think that people now could watch this for the first time and say, I get it. And I get some of the humor, I think because of that. Well, and I think some of the satire is, I think Dennis said it earlier, it's just about rock musicians. Like, rock musicians are still rock musicians. So you've seen Ozzy acting clueless, so there's still that connection to that full-of-themselves clueless rocker. So, yeah, you might not get some, you might not get some of the jokes that are a little more tuned to that time period, but you still get the the bumbling musicians and you get the, the band in fighting. I mean, heck, even One Direction fights, so I've been told. Yeah. So. <laughs> did you I'm get a... that from your fan club newsletter? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Donna's diamond me out, isn't she? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sold on the fact that this movie could work if it were to be released today. I think that while there might be a resurgence going on of 80s 
things. Um, I just, I, without really being inundated by all the, the, the variations of heavy metal bands. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in that work with younger generations. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's made for a specific, today, specific audience. I'm not saying it would um, make more than 4.7 million today. So. Well, that's, that's the other thing is what, how are but you defining I, I, work? Okay. Because so I don't, but I don't work as a cult classic. I don't think it would have the appeal now if it, if it were to be released today, it, it'd be a very limited audience that would be going to see it. I think I, do, I, think I, I don't I think, think, I don't even think 30 to 60 would still I don't think I don't think it would gain cult status like it has if it were to come out now as opposed to thirty years ago. I think it, it what it all that it mocks is too far removed from current music. But because it is mocking, do you think that if they were to release it now? They would update it, and they'd make. And, and I'm thinking this. Movie, well, that's the thing. If it, this but movie it, would, is made, it wouldn't be the, the same movie. The movie that what? gets made is mocking boy bands. Yeah, I mean that's the right. 2015 it, version it, is. But it wouldn't be. The, I don't think it'd be the same movie. Clicking in my head, but it would be. But you, you know, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't be the same movie. And I think that's the beauty of this style. Like so many movies, throw out Home Alone. A kid Home Alone is the same movie and. 1990 as it is in 2015 but a mockumentary of musicians is going to change as you make it and I think that's what makes this type of movie so fun is it is a little bit of history it is a little bit of that time period and that's why it's so amusing to see you know this many years later how how we how we all react to it yeah and I, I agree too that you know if the if we're talking the younger generation, and I, I did recommend it to a couple of uh, former students, and I, and I did preface it by saying, hey, check the rating with your parents, make sure they're okay with that, because there's some stuff in there, and, you know, I was told very firmly, oh, no, my folks are cool with whatever, and one of, but they also were, like, really into 80s rock, and so, like, I mean, I had come in two weeks before, and one was wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt, and I'm like, do you also listen to Iron Maiden, or do you just like the t-shirt? Because no, I listen to Iron Maiden. Yeah. Because just like in the T-shirts, a thing now, which is right odd for me. But that's for, about the yeah, I know. Point I know. Of this conversation. <laughs> well, the Eddie character is always fun to have. On. Yeah, but um, uh, but no, they were in Iron Maiden, you know, and they came in. Mr. C, do you ever listen to the band Motley Crue? Well, that was my favorite band in eighth grade. So I'm like, yeah, I yeah, that was. And so I said, you know, you should check this. But it would I wouldn't like. Well, for obvious reasons, because of the rating thing. But I wouldn't recommend it to every student. It was it was at like John was saying, that specific thing, they were into mm-hmm. that music. They were getting all the old, right. you know, they were finding that music and listening to it and everything. And I think they'd, if, if we were just going to, you know, re-release it to like 14 and 15 year olds, I think they would have to be into the 80s thing to want yeah, to understand Yeah, that's why I said, like, if it's the younger generation, right. I agree, but I think that older people would still respond to it just because they lived through that time in Culture, right. Remember that. Yeah. So it would be, it would be as long more as you of that a nostalgic, still culturally fun. An, an, a nostalgic was, journey into watching the movie. Teens, yeah, they don't know that. You know, they might not get that as much. I don't know if we heard a favorite song from you two gentlemen. Yeah. <sighs> I'd have to go with. I agree with Jason. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one to walk away from. <laughs> <laughs> How can you leave it behind? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
with, with Stonehenge being a close second. I do. You know, I, yeah, I think I like Stonehenge. I do like that one. But Flower People. The Flower People was going to do. Hellhole, I thought was. Hellhole had the quality oh, yeah. quality lyrics. That, I actually, I, I looked up to see, because they've released some albums since Sorry. the movie came out, too. Um, they have the This Is Spinal Tap, which has Hellhole, Tonight I'm Going to Rock You Tonight, uh, Heavy Duty, Rock and Roll Creation, America, Cups and Cakes, Big Bottom, Sex Farm. They're big in Japan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they're Japanese. They're not, was it 1983 or 84 Japanese tour? Yeah. Uh, Stonehenge, Give Me Some Money, Listen to the Flower People. And then they had some bonus CDs and other albums that came out. They had a bonus CD that was Christmas with the Devil. Uh, they had another album that came out in 92 called Break Like the Wind. Was that was 92 when they did the second little made-for-TV? Yes. Made right. For TV? They, do, they yeah. did that, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it's songs such as this is going to get bleeped out but songs such as School The Majesty of Rock Diva Fever Just Begin Again Cash on Delivery The Sun Never Sweats Rainy Day Sun Break Like the Wind Stinking Up the Great Outdoors Springtime That's the subtitle for (laughs) Uh, Clam Caravan Christmas with the Devil Now Leaving on Track 13 All the Way Home and then they have in 2009 they released one called Back from the Dead, um, and that has some remixes. They have Funky Sex Farm, um, of <laughs> Jazz Odyssey one, two, and three. We've got to do Jazz. We've got to do Jazz Odyssey. <laughs> was it Jazz Blues? No, it was more of a blues was jazz more festival. Blues jazz. <laughs> Did you pick up on the joke on that the island where they played? Yeah, I the Isle of Lucy. I, Isle of Lucy. Oh, I did. Oh, it's just, it's just supposed oh. to be a whole thing on Isle of Lucy. Oh, <laughs> they were like, we'll call it the Isle of Lucy. That's funny. Uh, let's see, Celtic Blues, Warmer Than Hell, Short and Sweet, and then a whole bunch that they did on Saturday Night Live. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing about those those titles and even those tunes, I mean, and obviously we all did listen to 80s rock music, but I mean, you know, there's the famous tunes that are still being played and all that, but you go deep cuts on some of those albums and... That's not that far removed from you know. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what you're going to get. I mean, there mm-hmm. was the I mean, there was the Motley Crue album that there's a tune called "She Goes Down" and it starts with a zipper. And, that's, and then a girl laughing and my, my dad was like, "Do uh, you want to explain this to me?" Or I'm just like, "I I I don't know how to explain this to you." You know, if I have to explain it to you, <laughs> yeah, we have no, 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 I didn't mean to. M-O-T. I was like the umlaut over the. That was. Uh, that was like the, in the sense of the principal, you know, having you call home and explain to your mom, why don't you explain to me what this means? And that, was, I, do. I don't know. I, I, I knew that there was this song on there. I didn't know about these other ones. Can't we just agree that we both know what this means and move on? <laughs> Is there a way to avoid this? <laughs> well, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny because this year at the end of the year, we did a, a big medley of rock tunes, you know, and one of them was um, Paranoid, the, the Black Sabbath thing, mm-hmm. and I want to rock and roll all night and all this. And it was funny because I'm just like, man, I remember like having to convince my parents that this album's clean. I can get these songs or, you know, and now the kids are all playing it and coming in the next day going, my parents are so excited to hear this song, you know, and it's just, it's I want to see you for your next concert, a Spinal Tap. I know. Spinal Tap medley. <laughs> spinal <laughs> medley. <laughs> yeah. Only if we can get Jason to sing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Welcome to the eighth grade band festival. <laughs> Let's lead off with Sex Farm. <laughs> I hear it was big in Japan in the 80s. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
bed. Welcome all the middle school parents. <laughs> but see, that's the beauty of doing a medley with a band. Mm-hmm. All you have to put in the program is Spinal Tap, Spinal Tap Medley. That's right. No, no one has no. to know what song you're playing. Right. So we have, we've planned out your year for you. Now. That's an iPod done, man. I got nothing to do this summer now. My year is... My year. Well, I got a hunch you got some arranging to do, but other than that, I don't know if they wrote anything for trumpet is really where yeah, I'm going with that. Right. That's right. That's right. I'm sure there's a mock piece there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure he could write it in his car on the way home. Mm-hmm. He's just got to get his trumpet out. That's, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, that may conclude our discussion of Spinal Tarp. Um, so next week we are going to be leading into music that the Lord hates. Uh, next week we will be talking about Footloose. So we will see you back next week. Look for us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. You can also connect with us on Twitter, at 30podcast. If you'd like to get all the newest episodes as they are released, you can subscribe to us through iTunes. Just search for the 30-something movies podcast. In the meantime, be like the Druids and play well. We'll see you next time.